Strategy. Design. Marketing. UX. Digital. Development. This is Agencies That Build, the show dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Casey. I'm a former coder and agency owner. And I'm Maroon, a better coder and an agency partner. Better? <laughs> Probably true. This show is sponsored by Galaxy. On a mission to help agencies grow. Varun, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's introduce our guest. He is, man, he's cool. We were chatting beforehand. He's an entrepreneur, fellow coder, operations, operations leader, thought leader, I'd say as well, software development expert. And his mission is all about helping organizations of all sizes create products that people love. Fellow podcaster, co-host of Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots, which is arguably the best named podcast on the planet. Founder and COO at ThoughtBot, Chad Pytel. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. I, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not sure that I, I'm cool, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> you know, with, with that <laughs> intro, I, get, I mean, what's, what's cool if that's not cool, you know? That's true. Craziness. So I'm glad you're here. This is our, our digital leadership series talking about building things and understanding what is what. So I'm going to shut my face and pass you this thing. It's kind of heavy for me, but I know you work out. Ugh. Okay, here we go. Thor's hammer. You got it? You can grab it? I got it. Okay. Thor's hammer, that is a, uh, that's a 1D20 plus 8. It's magically enchanted. Uh, take that hammer, smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. You know, I've been running ThoughtBot starting um, from seven, more than 17 years ago. I've met a ton of people who start agencies, go into consulting. And I think a common misconception or motivation that people have when they do that is they say like, what I really want to do is build a SaaS product, but we're going we're gonna to bootstrap that. We're going to bootstrap that team doing consulting. And a lot of times what I see people fall into then is, you start needing to do your first consulting client and then you get that one and you get the second one and that's going well, but then you need to hire people to work on that consulting client. And the time that you think you're going to have spend to spend on that SaaS product ends up getting sucked up by the consulting. And then you get on the treadmill for consulting because then you have mm. three or four people that you need to pay. So you need the next consulting client in order to pay them and you end up on this treadmill and never actually get to the point where you're working on your SaaS product or whether, or where you can transition to it. It's a trap. It's it a is trap. a trap. You got to really love, you know, consulting, running an agency is not easy and it's a grind and you've got to really love it. You've got to really love working with other people. If you don't. Um, and what your main motivation is, is actually to work on something else. You're probably going to end up unhappy. Um, and so, um, you know, that's another thing is that a lot of people end up getting to a point where there are five or six people, really what they were trying to do was build a SaaS product. And then they end up really struggling and unhappy at that point, because they realize that they're they're not quite getting it. And maybe not six people, maybe 12 people. It's like for a lot of people, it happens along, along that way. It's, it's, it's interesting myth that you you're talking about, because I thought it's the other way around. Mm. I thought that people or companies, they build 
or they start the consulting firm, they start the agency, and then they realize that we have resources available. We have people sitting on bench when they don't have work. Let's start making some stuff for our own, right? So that's when they start thinking about ideas. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you are looking at from, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you probably have talked to many, many agencies and you have seen others uh, where you have seen them doing this, but I was thinking all differently all yeah. along. Well, I think you're right. I think there are some people who are approaching it from a consulting agency's perspective and then realize they have an idea or some bandwidth and then they start doing that on the side. But I'm talking about when that when that's someone's primary motivation for doing consulting in the first place. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of consulting to earn some money to bootstrap what I really want to do. And I think that's where you can get get into a mistake if you're not is if it you're easier, not super careful. Is it easier from one direction? Like it's interesting. You guys are both coming at it from different directions. Where maybe it's easier if you're consulting and you got a bench, but maybe it's still a slippery slope because. You're in a, it's like a different business. It's like mm-hmm. two different businesses. Is there a best way to get into that, Chad? Or should you just avoid it altogether? <laughs> no, I, I don't think you should avoid it altogether. I think you should just be super clear about what your priorities are. And yeah. if you're trying to create a consulting business and a successful one, it's going to require a lot of attention. And if you're in, in, then intentionally giving that in, attention to something else that you actually would prefer to do, you're setting yourself setting yourself back. And so I think you can do whatever you want, but I think it would behoove anybody starting out or working to be clear and intentional about the way that they work as opposed to just, you know, um, (laughs) trying to do whatever and, and hoping that it works out or, Mm -hmm. or working really hard at something that is you're building a second business instead of your first one. Yeah. Is one of those easier or is it just literally they each have their own unique challenges. I think building SaaS products and building and building a successful consulting business are very different from each other. Yeah. Would you, um, would you say one's easier? <laughs> <laughs> I've only well, done one half of that equation. So I don't... yeah, I mean, so at ThoughtBot, we've created about six SaaS products, mostly for designers uh-huh. and developers. In okay. addition to our consulting business, we created those on the side Usually they were products that we wanted for ourselves, an idea we had for ourselves to help us create products better or faster. Yeah. And we grew them to the point where they were, you know, one or two people working on them full time or about 15 to 25K in monthly recurring revenue. And at that point, it was very clear we had grown something to the point where if we were serious about it, if we were going to keep on growing it, it was a whole nother business with a whole nother skill set gotcha. that we didn't have because our business and our skill set is focused on doing really great design and development for, for clients. And so at those, for those products, we ended up selling them um, huh. and, and to somebody who wanted to take them and really own, you know, focused on building that into a significant business. Right. And that worked out pretty well for us. So we've got a little bit of experience with both. I think they're very different and I don't think that they're necessarily, well, I think with consulting, uh, if I'm honest with myself, I think it's, like I said, it's a grind. Like you, it's a lot of work. You've got to continually make new customers and it's more rare that you have 
where you achieve product market fit and then you get hockey stick growth and um, particularly on the revenue side. And so I I just think those stories are out there. They're more common where you sort of are able to do that with a product where you create a product. And I think the big difference is the business model is what you call When you have a SaaS product, it's what they call zero marginal cost. So selling one more of them doesn't actually cost you anything more. Right. That's not the case with consulting. Your, your time is what you're selling. And so selling more of what you have as a consulting product means that you are working more. And it might not be you personally. It might be that you have a bigger staff. Somebody is. Somebody yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Do, you, are, do you have any more products under development or have you sort of like, now that you've gotten out, you've had a favorable exit of some of those tools. It's like, okay, let's focus now on the other side. No, um, it's not about focus. We've got, we've got some things in the works. Um, it's more about making sure that it's valuable and organic to us and something that we actually want to do. Right. Um, and then we're sort of incubating those things internally and eventually making them externally. So the thing that I'm actually working on now is completely different than what I've done before it's actually um lindsay our chief marketing officer came to me several months ago back i think in february and said like you do this because you love helping people and you Mm. creating products um and she's absolutely right like the reason why i started thoughtbot and do what we do is because i really like helping people use my expertise as a designer and developer to help people achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah. And she said, you know, you have another area of expertise that you can help people with. And I was like, what's, what's that? And she's like the experience that you have running ThoughtBot. Yeah. And um, so it's very small right now, but I I started because of that and that idea, I started working with um, a small group of other agency founders that I knew um, sort of tangentially, I reached out to them and said, would you want to join a group with me where we do one-on-one coaching um, and a Hell group yeah. meeting once a month, sort of like a support group and mentoring group for right. agencies. And so it's called Agency U. And we've got um, about 12 members now in the group. And you know we're working with each other and I'm working with them to level up their agencies and make them more successful. Um, Cool. So it's been a lot of fun and it's really sort of rewarding in a way that traditional product development is just different. It's just different than traditional product development. Right. Right. The idea of the group though, I mean, everyone needs a forum. Everyone needs to be able to come together and have that, that mastermind to, to, to bounce things off of. Um, Mm -hmm. So do you have like learning events and experiences or. Yeah. So like the, for the group meeting, like two meetings ago, I just went brought up, Oh, you know, we're on it. We're on, it's all remote. So we're on zoom and I just walked through the entire sales process and what the funnel looks like for ThoughtBot and what our sales stages look like and what we're looking at for each stage and how we're talking to potential customers at every step of the way of the sales process. And really just exposing all of that to the members so that to, they can see how a company like ThoughtBot does it. Yeah. A lot of the members are between the 12 and 30 uh, team size and thoughtbots we've crossed the hundred mark and so the insight into like what that other level looks like is really useful to people interesting yeah because um that's that's what uh 
like when we started this podcast also we were looking at um you know talking to agency owners mm-hmm. um, and and learning from them like what like kind of experience share right like they can right. share their experience about how they have grown to a certain size mm-hmm. and share that experience with other agency owners so that you know they can learn from them from others so the community concept of you know like the one that you have started that sounds pretty interesting um, yeah and it's fun to couple that and meaningful i think to couple we've got the learning or the group sessions where everyone's doing experience shares but then once a month i'm getting on a one on one call with each of the people and we're we're oh, wow. talking through some challenges we're setting goals i'm i'm not mean but i'm holding them accountable to like <laughs> you know what did yeah. you accomplish in the last month based on what we talked about and where you wanted to be um and i think you know it's been it's been about 6 months now that we've been working with them and the 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 amazing thing too is um you know things are really good right now in general for us after having had a really rough start to the or rough spring yeah um and so now we're actually subcontracting to some of the members in the group that i've been working with because we we had some uh need for some a few extra people oh smart smart it's paying for itself for them yeah yeah for yeah for them and for you for sure um well at this point i'd love to just roll up our sleeves and you know the funny the first time i had this we i had short sleeves on so it didn't didn't work out so well. I was like, roll up my little sleeves. And I had like the soccer, the girls' soccer arms, you know, because I had them just rolled up. But yeah, let's kind of roll up our sleeves. And I'd love to get kind of tactical and practical and, and get some best practices. And maybe this is the same kind of thing. By the way, do you have a do you have a sign-up link for the community? Uh yeah, it's thoughtbot.com slash agency you. Agency you. And is it spelled out Y-O-U oh, or that's a really great question. It's just the letter U. Oh, cool. Like university. Okay, Oh, like university. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Cool. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes. People can click through. So, you know, maybe on the same kind of, you know, um, idea as that sponsored by agency, you <laughs> roll up our <laughs> sleeves, but we like to think of just sort of three g- g- generic phases or three mm-hmm. particular phases of like, before you get to building during the build. And then after you've, you've launched or gone live, the deploy, what comes after you've, you've sent it, you shipped it. Um, any tips come to mind in terms of the design phase? How do, and, you, and, how do you plan for success in that in that particular area? And before you answer that, I want you to look at the, uh, so you are at 100 plus people, not many agencies are at that stage. So think about the time when you were like maybe 50. And at that time, how would you like, because we are like our listeners would most likely mm-hmm. be around that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, size-wise. So we think that it will be most valuable for them to look from their perspective, like how do you think is the best process? Because I also know one of, you know, I, I followed your podcast and your process is not set. You you talked about multiple times that you, yeah. you know, continuation, continuing learning is one of the core values of your company yeah. and you want to keep changing, you keep adapting uh, things as you go, right? So um, don't tell us what you do now, Tell yeah. us what you would do, like what were you doing when you were smaller than that? That's a great framing because there is some fundamental beliefs about that we have about how products have built, uh, the be- how products should best be built that actually they're like fundamental beliefs and they haven't changed much. Things like 
story pointing and what tools we use for a sketch. Those are like, it's the things in the toolbox. Those change constantly. And the overall like, you know, tools and techniques like adding product design sprints and that kind of thing. But there's, there's some core beliefs that have been true since the beginning of ThoughtBot and, and all and, and remain true. So the first is that we just fundamentally believe in a small group of people who are really good at what they do, working directly with clients to create something. So yes, we're a hundred people, but our average team size is three people. It's a designer wow. and two developers, full stack designer who does great user experience research, visual design, and is a front end developer. So they implement HTML and CSS or in a mobile app working alongside full stack developer, working directly with a client. So we don't have project managers in between us and the client. Interesting. Okay. So this isn't just an agency thing. It, it's a, it's a yeah. product thing. Yeah. If, if I was talking to no offense to all the project managers out there, <laughs> but if I was talking to a startup founder and they're like, and I was like, what's your, what's your starting team? And they're like, oh, I've got a project manager and a developer. It'd be like, what, why do you have a project manager? You are a, you're a small team of people creating the first version of a product. Um, what is that project manager actually going to do? And why shouldn't, why don't you do that as the founder? Hmm. Um, adding that project manager so early on into your startup team or into your, your project team really creates this gap of where like as a founder, you don't, you aren't necessarily as close as you need to be to the team, to the product that you're building, to the deciding which features to do, to understanding how to prioritize and to deal with trade-offs and all that stuff. And I think if you if you're a founder who's removed from that, there's you're really going to uh, work more slowly. You're going to not be able to communicate with your team in ways that they understand and that you understand. So we just fundamentally believe of not putting anyone in between the person with the idea, the founder, the person who is the decision maker, and the people who are doing design and development. So you're saying that in your arrangement with the clients, you don't have a project manager leading the team. It's directly, so the, 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 the founder has direct access to all the designers, developers, and the team. That's and right. who, who manage, like who plan all the, you know, sprints or, or strategy or design, like someone has to still lead the efforts. Yeah, and the, the, the founder may not it. be technical, right? So the team does it together. Yeah. And, you know, we don't have everyone at ThoughtBot who's doing that is experienced doing that. So, so, um, you know, at the beginning stage of a product, it might be the designer who's taking a lot of that lead and helping the client through that. Um, in the later stages, it might be the senior developer that's, that's, that's doing that. Um, but then we do like weekly retrospectives and planning meetings. And the, we start leading those by, we start the engagement by leading those meetings, but we'll end the engagement by the client leading those meetings. And that's how you create, like, we're not just wow. trying to work with a client to create their product um, and then continue to work with them forever. What we're trying to do is build successful products and successful businesses. 
And so part of when we work with somebody, it was training them how to actually do things outside of ThoughtBot and being able to facilitate a meeting, a planning, a prioritization meeting, the client being able to do that is super powerful because they're going to be yeah. able to do that into the future. And that I, I, I can see the value in doing that, but um, realistically, has that always been the case for, for ThoughtBot? Like, have you always been that way from the beginning? Yeah. Because the reason I ask that is, there are still many agencies who may not have access to the best of the best players in the team, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So they have to, they have senior, very senior, junior and freshers, like they have different uh, skill set of people. Yeah. Um, in that situation, right? How would you, um, like, how would you plan the team and have, you know, client have the direct access to everybody when, yeah. The, the junior person may not have the skills you know, to do it, that. It, it's, it's tough. I think we, you've got to, you know, it's, you, you've got to make the choice as an agency founder, right. whether you want an A team or whether you want a B team. And I would rather be smaller than we otherwise could be um, to have the A team. True. And it's a little bit counterintuitive because one of the reasons why I believe we've been as successful as we have been is because we have very high standards for ourselves. And then that, that, you know, propagates growth. It's interesting. Cause you didn't go for large. You went, you went literally for small, but then large occurred because it was working. I think so. And it's influenced the way that we are organized. You know, we didn't grow by growing 100 people all in one office. Right. I think if we did, that would be really difficult to maintain that level of quality. But the way that we grew was we said like, we, we, we spent almost 10 years being a maximum of 20 people, mostly based in Boston. Really? And it wasn't until after a decade of working when you know we said we really have something special to offer clients outside of this area and also team members. So we didn't start growing that team to a scale that doesn't work. What we did was we looked at our business and we said most of our clients, even though we have a worldwide reputation and we have clients all over the world, 80% of our clients are in the New England area. So let's take what we know works really well. Let's and let's replicate that into a new market. And so that's was has been our strategy for growth is is making new studios of, of a small close-knit group of people who really know what they're doing, who work with clients in their geographic area. Yeah. And, and then we're bound together by a common set of purpose and values. Um, and we're all working um, to make our process and to make Thoughtbot awesome. We're all in Slack together. It's all one big team. But when it comes to our client work, you're working with a handful of people to create something great, not right. across time zones, like locally, that kind of thing. Wow. Right. And that also goes back to how you position yourselves, right? Mm -hmm. If you're positioning yourself as the, you know, the best team or best people right. to, to deliver the finest digital products, then yes, you need to do that versus you know, there are lots of, you know, um, consulting firms with 1000 people, right? Right. They're, 
their model is totally, even though they call themselves agencies, but yeah. the model, the positioning, the market they are serving is, is totally different. Right. They're trying to help other companies scale. The, helping others scale is what their motto is versus building the high quality products, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we face it in our business. A lot of what we do can be commoditized. Development is not necessarily special. So if you're looking for a low co cost person to write code, you should never work with us. Like that's yes. not, mm. that's not what we do. Right. Um, we like writing code. We're so good at it that it's, 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 it's like secondary. What we're actually doing is building a successful business together. So the developers at ThoughtBot are capable of um, not that, or, you know, you're not telling them what to do. They're figuring out what to do. And so you work with us when you don't know what to do. If you know what to do and if you're just, you have a backlog, you have a written spec, you just need someone to go off and do that. Um, you can find someone for $15 an hour to do that. Like that's not, but that's not us. Yeah. Right. Wow. Wow. And there's a, just, I'm not, I don't mean to say that to be negative. Like there's yeah, a big you know. business, there's big businesses there and yeah. there, there is a need that it's just, it's not, it's not who we are. And I think that's important to understand who you are. And also, um, you know, we're in the enviable, not, not enviable. It's a, it's a difficult position to be in to constantly being needing to move out of the area of commoditization. So we have to, because of the way that we position ourselves, always be looking to the future and, and understanding like we need to basically continually be moving on to the area of value for, for our customers and for technology and for the market. So it's being early with mobile development, being like we, we have to be there because if we're late, then like why would anyone work with us? Like if, if, if we're playing in the areas where there's lots of other competition, there's lots of people, if you just need something to be done, there's someone low cost to do it, we're, we're, we're failing. Yeah. So you, you, you speak very highly of your team. They are you know, um, independent, they learn themselves. Are there any strategies, any tactics or any, um, anything, any, any guidance that you provide them that this is the level of expectations they have to meet before they join you or stay competent in the company because that's what other agencies may want to learn right how can they prepare a team like that what do they need to do if they want to build another thought bot yeah i mean we we have a lot of expectations internally we we have a a sort of a handbook that we write in GitHub. It's marked down in GitHub. The whole team has ownership over it and the whole team works on it. And one of the pages in that is, here are the expectations for developer at ThoughtBot. And mm. it's pretty specific um, in terms of uh, not about technology or what, you know, it, but it's about how, how, what your level, expected level of communication ability is. Uh, um, and your general philosophy of always learning and um, that sort of thing. So it's not, it's not so much about that. So the key though, is that when we've set a high bar, super high bar, we meet a lot of people who we otherwise think would be great fits for ThoughtBot, but they're just not quite at that bar yet that we set. And we've got to create some pathway 
for that. Otherwise, we will never be able to hire a team, especially because our bar continued, like we're continually improving it and it's continually going up. And so we've got to figure out some pathway. And for us, that was creating an apprenticeship program. So we have a more junior position at Thoughtbot that we call apprenticeship. Hmm. You um, interview and get accepted for that. And it is a full position with benefits. Um, it's not a temporary thing. Um, most people leave their job where they're already working as a web developer or developer or designer. They're leaving their job to join us. And what that is, it's a usually three month program where you're where you work on client work paired with a mentor who's a ThoughtBot developer or designer, a full ThoughtBot developer designer, and you're working on the same project as them, but your time is not billed. And the purpose Mm -hmm. of that program is to get you to the point where you are a billable ThoughtBot developer or designer, and you're promoted at the end of that from apprentice to developer or designer. That's a great strategy. That's a great way to get people ready for the prime time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, um, if it wasn't for that program, we not only wouldn't be able to hire at the numbers that, that we need, but another thing is that, um, it's not like we have an intense environment, but just there's so many dynamics around people who are underrepresented in tech. Um, and so that apprentice program has been essential to, um, at all achieving the kind of diversity that we want to achieve and to having an impact on a positive impact on the diversity of our team. Right. We have something similar in our firm as well. We call it galaxy finishing school. Mm-hmm. So we basically bring on the fresh you know, college grads and, and give them training for six months where we have a literally classes. We yep. have, we are teaching them, you know, taking their coding skills to a next level and then we hire them in the company. So it looks like it sounds similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you give them opportunities to work on the client projects. Right. Yeah. So that, because that is what they are looking for when they are fresh, they need something, you know, that they are building for, you know, in the world for that, that yeah. they can yeah. see it, with, you know, I I fundamentally believe whether you're a product company or an agency that if you're serious, you've got to incorporate training into your hiring process, Mm. because if you don't, you will not be able to hire people at the levels that you actually need to hire. Um, And even if you then are able to, um, if you're not incorporating training, you're not setting those people up for success that you do hire. So Training is a powerful tool because it enables you to hire more people than you otherwise would be able to, and it, it makes the people you do hire more successful. So um, I see so many companies working with like recruiters, for example, saying that, oh, we can only hire senior developer talent. And so they work with recruiters. They spend months and months with unfilled positions. They finally fill a position with someone, and then they pay that recruiter for basically doing nothing, 25% of that person's first year salary. Jeez. Say, you know, it's, say the person makes $100,000. Most developers in the US make more than that for a senior developer, but say they did, that's $25,000 that you just paid a recruiter. Right, yeah. For the four months that it took you to fill that position, for the $25,000 that you spent paying on a recruiter who didn't actually do anything, 
you could have taken that $25,000 and hi hired someone and trained them for four months and paid them yeah. to work. And it's yeah. a much better use of that time and money, in my opinion, much because better. not only are you helping your company and you filled the position, you're training, you're setting them up for success, but you're having a positive impact on your, on the community as well, because you're lifting people up along the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wow. a great strategy. Um, I have another one for you. Um, so it, it's, there's a huge confusion in the agency world about being a specialist versus generalist, right? Yeah. So people, I mean, you, you, you know what I'm saying? So you, yeah. you are especially, I mean, you are, you are specialized and providing with, <laughs> yeah. you are specialized, but also at the same time, you are providing very general services like design and development. It's like everything. Yep. Right. So how, how do you like, what's your, like, yeah, to tell me your, your thought behind, like how you are positioning yourself yeah. and what do you want to say, how people should think about specialization and generalization? So, so I actually think this is another thing. This is a great question because I, I, I actually don't think that there's a wrong answer here for any company or any team, but you've got to know what your model is and then you've got to stay right. consistent to that. Because if you if you if you aren't consistent and you're not intentional and you're doing it, you're, you're it's all over the place. Then your team isn't going to be able to work well together to um, execute on something really well. So at Thoughtbot, we we actually don't use this terminology anymore. But for a, for several years, and it hasn't changed much. We've just stopped using the terminology. We talked about the T-shaped individual. So it's actually a combination between generalist and specialist T-shaped individual is like, you've got a wide breadth of experience. Basically that means you are a full stack developer. If you're on the development side, you can do the full stack, but then the T, the, the vertical part of the T is there is one area which you excel at, which you do go deep on. And that yeah. can be different from other people. It might be the back end, the front end, the database, you know, some component of that where like, you know, when you're on a team, that's what you're bringing to the table in addition to the full stack uh, that you're able yeah. to execute on. And that's, that's generally how we approach it at ThoughtBot. Um, and that works really well for us in the, that team structure that we have of a designer and two developers um, working directly with a client to execute on something, um, without that structure of having everyone be full stack, having everyone be pretty general, it would be difficult to do what we do with the team size that, that we do it. We would need, you know, two or three more people on that team in order to deliver a mobile app, a backend, the design, the different research, all of that stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Where, where do you see all this going? What, if you were to look in your crystal ball, cause clearly you have one cause you've been able to do so many amazing things. Yeah. <laughs> what, where do you, anything coming up in the future that you're excited about any kind of changes and trends that you'd really like can see capitalizing on in terms of um, product product or in terms of agencies and running consulting companies and that sort of thing or you thought about specifically. Yes. Um, but <laughs> if you, you know, if anything comes to mind, yeah. just in terms well, of the thing that's future. top of mind is, you know, I just gave the whole speech pitch about how we grew and how right. we went from 20 people growing geographically, starting other studios, you know, we based on an office working with local customers in that area. Yeah. And 
for the past seven months, that has been completely thrown out the window. Um, you know, we, when, when the pandemic hit and all of our offices shut down and they're still closed. Um, so everyone started working from home. We instantly like went on thoughtbot.com and scrubbed any mention of in-person working. We just talked about collaboration, mm -hmm. uh, real close collaboration with our customers. Gotcha. And we stopped talking about working locally with people. Uh, we said, we're a great global team that can work with you wherever you are. And at the time we viewed that as temporary um, because you know we were all very naive uh, seven months ago and we're like, oh, right. we'll reevaluate at the end of April. Um, and we're obviously, uh, the current way of working has continued and it's going to continue for a while yet. And so we've reached the point where we can no longer approach this in a temporary way. It's, it's hurting right. our team more than anything else to be sort of in a limbo state um, and not have the clarity about what it means. So, you know, yeah. in June, we told everyone don't, um, you know, our offices will probably open at some point again in the future, but if you need to be remote, if you need to move to be closer to family or away from a studio, place where we have, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, and now we're on the threshold of, you know, our actual strategy for growth was strong local studios bound together by a common purpose and values working locally. That strategy no longer, like we can't con continue right. with that strategy. Right. <laughs> and so for us, that we, we're not even really sure what that means yet. We just held a, uh, company-wide strategy session last Friday, um, where we, you know, ran, we used design thinking and we ran through, uh, we surveyed the team. Um, we, as a leadership team, we ran through some exercises to envision what the future could look like and mm -hmm. different ways of organizing and different ways of making sure that, you know, the, the important part is being bound together by a common purpose and values to feel like you're part of a team to feel like there's a reason why you work at ThoughtBot. And yeah. so no matter what we do in terms of how we're organized and working remotely, we've got to arrive in a situation where people still feel that strong um, bind uh, that's to our philosophy and to each other. So hopefully we'll get there, um, and, but we've got to get there soon. And is that how you, you are planning to go forward as well? Meaning um, now you are not, um, looking at specific location, you are talking about global teams. So you are looking for people who are remote and they can be anywhere now. And that is a confusion with many other agencies owners as well. Now that they have this opportunity mm -hmm. of having people anywhere. Um, so far they have been thinking about, you know, they are, they are so attached to having people all at one place, but yeah. now they can see things are working with remote. Now they go back and forth between if I should start looking at some cheaper options, mm -hmm. right? Nearshore, offshore, contracting, they can all, they have all these, they always had that option at their disposal, but yep. now it's even more open, right? That's because point, they are right? seeing right. it working. Yeah. So how are you thinking? Yes, having a team that is closely working together, you know, it is very important. But at the same time, when you look, when you compare that with other options, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you think, and how do you think other agencies may, may, may approach this, you know, thinking? Yeah. Well, so for ThoughtBot, we, we, we've 
largely been in favor of remote. We've always done cross office working, uh, work from anywhere for temporary points in time. The, the, the challenge for us has been our positioning in the market and the needs of our clients and the reality that there's a certain customer segment out there that was willing to pay real top dollar if they're based in Manhattan, they want to work in person with a Manhattan-based design and development team. They understand mm. how expensive it is for us to have that and they were willing to pay for it. Right. And so now that we're remote, now that it could be anyone anywhere working on that thing, the big question mark for us and for our business was what rates can we, can we still charge those mm. Manhattan-based rates for a non-Manhattan-based team? And the answer is not really. Um, gotcha. But given the caliber of ThoughtBot and what we're able to deliver, we're still above where the market would be, uh, or you know, we're still above what other people might charge. Um, we're, we have, we have to adjust our approach to customers and what we're offering them, given the reality of now we're competing more globally. Um, if a client who would normally be only thinking of working with a local New York city based company is now they, they, they're literally not in their office. They could literally work with that $15 an hour firm or with Mm -hmm. ThoughtBot. Um, we've got to be super clear about who we are and what we believe and how much we charge to make sure that we're attracting the right kinds of customers. Because we're never going to win that work against that $15 an hour company. And it's yeah. not the kind of company we want to be, but we get that rate pressure now because they're comparing us right. to that because it's all remote. What does it matter? And so that's one of our biggest challenges. And it forces um, you to we're, address- we've watched yeah, yeah. it super closely. You know, we're, we tend to be a pretty data driven company. You know, it's not yeah. like we're huge, but we're big enough now where you can see trends, you can see, um, things. And what we've seen is yes, we do get, we have gotten rate pressure, particularly through the pandemic, but at this point, our average rate with clients is back to what it was really? uh, a year ago. Um, awesome. and so it's not, it's not that, um, you know, our model used to be in this business, you know, you've got the, 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 the utilization number, right? And totally. so our general model has been slightly higher rates and therefore it's okay to have slightly lower utilization because that those higher rates cover the downtime and uh, give you the ability to afford to wait for the right customer who can pay right. those higher rates. So as our rates have gone slightly down on the high end, um, our utilization has gone up. And also the rates, um, like when a Raleigh-Durham-based client, which is a lower rate market, was working with a Raleigh-Durham-based team, they may have negotiated or we have made our book rate for that work may have actually been lower than it is now. So Hmm. we're actually seeing it on both sides, which is, by leveling the team and being completely remote, the lower rate th- ThoughtBot regions have actually increased their rates yeah. because now it, it doesn't matter so much where they right. are. So we, it's been a leveling out so that the average is pretty much where it was a year ago. Hmm. Yeah. 
The the other challenge that I think um, I've also heard um, recently was now that these big IT firms in India, like Cognizance or TCS or Wipro, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of these names. These yeah. are buying the agencies here, right? Yeah. So agencies who were charging $200 an hour before now being bought by these companies, yeah. offshore shops, right? They are yeah. bringing the rates even more down. Yeah right? Not going up and they're not keeping it same because they are able to, they have so much profit. They have so much money, right? They are doing, you know, excellent business. Now with the agency, they are getting into the agency market, bringing the agency costs down. Do you see that impacting your business at all? Or, you know, how should other agencies? No, I I love when those big companies buy agencies that would be our competitors because they basically destroy them and we never hear from them again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They, they, they turn what something that was small and special into something that is, is no longer like, and, and they're able to, they, from their bottom line perspective or from their business perspective, it can be successful because their existing channels and their existing customers are what drive those the business to the to those agencies and what we see is them leaving the local the local market like the, they're no longer our competition because they're wow. getting most of their work from that parent company or from that so the channels yeah. of those those parent companies so I, I i love when that happens because if they if and then the other the other thing that can happen it doesn't always happen but like i said they just dis- they essentially destroy the company so you know we have a few competitors that were bought by larger companies. And what we see is a year or two after we start attracting people from <laughs> those companies from, who are leaving yeah. saying, this is no longer the place that I want to work. I want to work at ThoughtBot instead. Wow. So that's another thing that happens, which I, which I love. That's when the specialists become generalists, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. Well, really, it's fascinating. You have the data, you have this experience. Who are you? Can you, can you take us back in time? Little Chad days, where'd you grow up? What was it no. like? Did you always know you're going to be an entrepreneur, run a huge company and take over the well, world? It's not build, quite build huge. Products it could everywhere. be huger, but um, no, I didn't <laughs> always know. Um, I didn't always know, but I have been doing what I've been doing for a long, long time because so I, um, I grew up in a small town in Western Massachusetts. So my graduating class was 62 people, small town. And it was, uh, I graduated high school in 1998. So it was really like, and I started doing web development in 94, 95, 96. Um, so really I, I was young, I was 14 or whatever, but right on the cusp of the actual creation of the web. And when web started getting like, you could do, design on it and make something. Uh, and most companies were creating their first website. So being in a small town and being one of the only like computer people around, I got an opportunity to really help. I like, you know, built the whole website for my school district, um, and a lot, and then other businesses. So I basically been working, starting as a freelancer and independent since I was 14, I had other jobs of cashier, and that kind of thing, but um, have always been since I was about 14 doing freelance design and development. And um, wow. 
you know, the funny thing was, is that I went to college in 1998. Um, and by that point, the graphic design capability of the web, it was very clear, like, I care a lot about how things work, and the design of how things come together. And, and uh, but I was not a graphic designer. So I decided to go to school for computer science, and focus more on the programming side of things and went in in 1998. So it was like the height of the dot com bubble, right? Um, I really just me and my, you know, people going into school at the same time, I think you're probably both around similar ages. Um, we just, you know, it felt like the world was in front of us, like pets.com was huge and yes. we could get a job anywhere. And then, in, you know, the dot-com bubble burst. And then we had the September 11th attacks in 2001. And me and a lot of the people graduated that, that fall um, and, uh, or that summer. And um, it just was not a good job market. It was, you know, the economy had really taken a turn. And mm -hmm. so me and a lot of the, uh, my friends um, had trouble finding our first jobs. And that was when again, I had been freelancing all throughout college, um, working my way through school. Um, and when I couldn't find another job, I was like, well, let me start calling the clients that I've worked with past. Let's level this up. Um, and, um, it was in the process of doing that, that I ended up meeting uh, one of my previous clients said, you should talk to this guy. He's a little bit out there. Um, but he's working on something new. Why don't you, why don't you have a chat with him? And I met with him and I was like, instantly like, this guy is amazing. He's got an incredible idea. We're gonna work together to create something. And not only that, but I need to build a team. So I hired four people that I had graduated with who were my friends from college. And we had done sketch and improv comedy together. And we just, like they were, they ended up being like the best men in my wedding. No kidding. And we were the IT department, the tech team for this startup altogether, but very quickly things were not what they uh seemed to be hmm. and we things started to unravel we found out that the founder did not have the funding that he thought that he did uh, we stopped getting paid um Jeez. things really started to unravel and what we we what we ultimately learned was he actually had a personality disorder oh and so he wasn't doing it intentionally he really thought that when he met with that investor and the investor said, it sounds good that like in his mind, that was, that was a done deal. Um, but so things unraveled and in the pieces of that unraveling thing, we realized like, we really like working with each other. We're friends. We're good at what we do. And like, once again, I sort of fell back on, on my freelancing and I said, look, if I could make some calls and get some clients, would you want to keep on working together? And, uh, and so that's how ThoughtBot got started uh, a little over Man. 17 years ago uh, was, was now I had a team of people that I really enjoyed working with and we were able to get some first clients. Wow. That's a great Man. story. Yeah. It's not, it is a, it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a good story, but it's not like we like, you know, said like, we believe in consulting or, or we have a, process or we have something that is special and we're setting out to change the world and we're doing this in a super intentional way. And I think, you know, it, it'd be a more, like, sometimes I think like, I sort of wish that I had started that way because sort of, we were obviously successful, but we spent the first two years 
um, not successful. And eventually mm. all of the other founders, except one decided to leave after two years. And it was primarily because we found, we fell into doing that rather than being super intentional about it. And right. so that's one of the things that I wish I had done differently was, and that, that permeated everything that we did. It was the kinds of work we wanted to do. We were just scrounging to get whatever we could get. Um, the, we, we didn't, because we were friends, because we were already working together and we sort of rolled into ThoughtBot, we never really had like those meaningful conversations about what each of us was going to do and how we were each going to contribute to the business and be intentional about the roles that we were in. Right. And that ended up hurting us as well. Um, so it wasn't until two years in that when the other founders decided to leave and we were forced to, we weren't successful. We were barely scraping by. Um, mm. Our friends had just showed us that we could just leave and go get other jobs because that's what they had done. It was that I, I thank them for it because them doing that created a decision point where I needed to decide, am I going to stick with this or am I going to do something else? And the act of consciously deciding to stick with it completely changed our mindset because we said, this is not worth doing if we're not successful and fulfilled in our work. And we literally took out a piece of paper and wrote down a list of here are the things we want to do. And here are the things we don't want to do. Here are the things we believe. And that is when ThoughtBot became ThoughtBot. And lo and behold, like once we were actually intentional about it, once it was clear who we were and what we believed, we started to be so much more successful uh, right away. And at the time, I didn't understand why. I think I now understand why. It's because there are so many other design and development companies out there. If you're everything to everybody, why would any client ever find you and choose to work with you? Some right. will, but, but if you are very clear about here's who we are, here's what we do, here's what we believe about products, then the people who believe those same things and want to do those same things will yeah. actually be able to find you and right. will choose to work with you. So for example, one of the first things was we believe in test-driven development. Um, it's just something that we believe builds better products. And we just, it was the thing, one of the things we put on the list and we said, we're not going to do projects that don't allow us to do test-driven development. This is a practice mm. that we have now. We were super early on with test-driven development. At the time, it was almost counterintuitive because there were actually like blog posts out there from people saying like, you should not do test-driven development. It's terrible. We did it at my startup and we failed uh, all this kind yeah. of stuff. And, but there's a group of people and it might even be a smaller group of people who do believe that it's good and that you should do it. So we were the only company in Boston. Maybe, maybe there was a handful of companies who actually did test-driven development. Well, if a company that, if a startup company or a, an existing company believes in test-driven development, who are they going to work with? They're not going to work with a company. They're not going to find and work with a company that says like, eh, I don't care about test-driven. Maybe we'll do it or we don't do it. They're going to look and they're going to find the one or two companies that do do it. And so right. instantly people who believed what we believed and wanted to work the way that we do started to find us and work with us. 
which is that much better to work with because you're speaking the same language and you yep. want to work with each other. Yep. It, yeah. It's that I think we're all it, afraid it, it, to, to attract the thing we want, but it, there's so many benefits to it. Yeah. It, it has definitely it's upside, but it doesn't come without the cost. Right. I mean, you have to start saying no to a lot of yes. things when you yes. are very, you know, goal driven, like you want to do a certain way, otherwise we won't do it. Right. That's what differentiates you. Right. And there is a risk involved and there is a risk. risk is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I, yeah, <laughs> there is a risk you've got. And you know, there's obviously some success bias, right? Like the people who do that and then it works out <laughs> stick yeah. around to tell you that you should do that. Exactly. I totally get it. Um, <laughs> it is so easy though, to try to be everything to everybody and end up in a situation where you're nothing. Um, yeah. And you suck and, at a lot. Of yeah, and you yeah. suck at a lot of things. Yeah. So, um, you know, and this is actually one of the things as we've grown that has been one of the biggest challenges is, you know, you're at a certain size now where we've really got to make sure that we can have enough work to pay a hundred people every week. Um, and as an individual founder, deciding to either stick with the company, like. I can say no to this client. And if it doesn't work out, I just go get another job. That's very different to being in a situation where it's either me making, saying that decision for a hundred people and potentially going out of business, or maybe even more importantly, like the individual designer or developer at ThoughtBot, who's now part of a hundred person team, putting them in a position where they feel empowered yeah, to be able to cool. say no we shouldn't do this, or this is what I believe, or we believe, and I'm going to be honest with this client in this scenario, that's really difficult. And then what happens is, you know, it, it sort of erodes like through a thousand little things that you, that everyone's saying yes to, or not being honest about, you end up in a place where you're sort of just mediocre. Yeah. And that's actually the biggest challenge that we have at ThoughtBot. Like, every day showing up and trying not to be mediocre. And we don't always get it right. <laughs> Sometimes we go down a road for a few months and we realize we're off on the round track here. We've got to, we've got to pull it back. We've got to be more intentional about this or, or yeah. that or whatever. Yeah, man. Well, hypothetical, hypothetical question for you. Um, you go back in time, you get to see yourself right after that CS degree. Young, young graduate, Chad, you just graduated school. If you can go back and talk to yourself, give yourself advice, knowing all the things you've been through, mm -hmm. all the battles you've fought, what, what kind of things would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? Yeah. Well, I mentioned one already, which is like, I really wish we had had more honest conversations, mm. the founding team about what each of us was going to spend our time doing, what contributions we were bringing to the table. You know, yeah. if it's not obvious, like I was doing all of the business development, I was CEO, I was doing all that stuff. And it put us in a position where I was expecting like this equal co-founding team. And the reality was not that they weren't doing, so we were just doing different things and each yeah. was bringing different. So we should have never started the company as like five equal co-founders um, so that's, that's one. Uh, so I encourage people starting out to have honest conversations with your, with, or I would encourage me to have honest conversations with my founders. That's secondary though. The biggest one now, and it sounds, you know, 
people might think I'm being just like politically correct, but I, I just, I fundamentally believe this, that a, the biggest mistake I made, the biggest difference, if I could go back in time and tell myself is, is to not just start a company with the friends that I had, the four, the f- five of us CS majors at WPI, like we were five white guys who were friends and we then built an entire team of a b- bunch of people like that, n- having that non-diverse team to start. So fu- we didn't even realize because we were not, you know, not even able to see it, but yeah. like, it's so fundamentally built, changed or influenced the company and the team we were able to build in mm-hmm. those early years and, and not having a diverse team. Then as that became more visible to us, but also more important as we tried to scale, we realized we were propagating that problem. Right. And um, we're still working to pay down that debt or that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we're nowhere near where we want to be. And the reason why it matters is not just diversity for the sake of diversity. Like having a, like one of our va- core values is fulfillment. Having a team, having a team, a place to work where you can be your full self at work, where you yeah. can work with a p- diverse team of people who are all bringing their variety of experiences to the table actually helps us create better products for our clients right. and be more fulfilled as a team. And, um, you know, we're, we're not as good as we could have been had we started the company either with a different team or realized what we were setting ourselves up for and been much more intentional about the team we built the next people that we hired as we started to grow. Yeah. And it's hard not to clone yourself, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's yeah. easiest just to have a conversation with someone who sounds like you acts like you could be looks like you. And then mm-hmm. you like, Oh, this is a known entity. But then you're right. You start slowly suffering from group think and mm-hmm. not that people become yes people, but like you just all agree, but it's like, you know, are we missing anything? Right. <laughs> have we not thought about something? Yeah. And, and no one wants you, you get, you put yourself in a position where people don't want to be the first, like it was absolutely ridiculous, like bonkers that we went like the first six years, seven years of ThoughtBot, we didn't have a single female employee, like, gotcha. cause no one wants to be the first, who wants to walk into that environment where they're the first woman with 12 other guys or whatever we were, at the time, <laughs> like, right? Like, it's going to be very difficult to hire 12 other nerdy guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's not the kind of environment, like some people will do it and they'll be okay because, you know, but, but it's not the kind of environment that the majority of people are going to be excited to interview in and excited to show up for work every day. Would you interview women who just weren't comfortable with the fact that you, I don't even think they, you know, it, whether we were screening or they never showed up, they, they didn't even really get to that stage. Cause you're, you're yeah. starting with a position where people are already underrepresented in tech. There are already fewer. Women. Oh, it's yeah. It's hard to find people sometimes. And so given that, like, why would someone choose to work at a company that's only just going to put them more in the minority when they're dealing with all the shit that they have to deal with yeah. on a regular basis of being part of a team? Yeah. It's a good point. And it's not just women. It, it's every, um, you know, sort of, angle that you can look at diversity. So, so that's the thing that I would go back in time and I don't have a, a, you know, 
it's not an easy problem to fix because, you know, you're starting the the company with people that you trust and that kind of thing. But so maybe it wouldn't have changed who we started the company with, but it certainly should have changed who we then, how hard we would have, should have worked to build the rest of the team. Yeah. The trust thing is, is huge to your point, but then there's more to it, you know? Yeah. It's one of the, one of the many dimensions you have, you have there. Man, uh, so many things. So we, we talked about so much. Um, it, Varun, what do you, what do you got, man? I, I'm, my brain is smoking. I'm just yeah, I'm, totally I'm, different. <laughs> no, I think it, it was wonderful discussion. A lot of learning. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm just still processing everything. So I think. So what we got to do, because we're all in the same area, is we got to get a socially distant run going on you know we'll join you for a what a 15th of your your typical run chad what do you what are you doing these days you're running like um what do you do so i run a little over 40 miles a week okay. so i run a, a little over 160 miles a month um so yesterday i just ran four, 14 miles which i do every wednesday so i and i run Today's my rest day, but I run at least 5k every other day and eight and a half miles on the weekends. So, um, I, you know, I got into running a while ago and for me, it's just, it's like meditative. Like I deal with a lot of stressful stuff I deal, And to be able to go out and put on a podcast and not think about anything for an hour or two hours. Totally. Um, is really keeps me able to do this. Um, yeah, it kind of kind of resets the clock. It it just clears the mind. Get break that sweat, you know. Just yeah, just getting that once a day. La- last week was my first six mile run. I'm trying to get into running as well. And uh, I mean, what 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 type of podcast do you do you listen to? Mostly um, tech podcasts, but I'll, I'll tell you, we're in the, the, when I, there was a point in time, and maybe this is like a insight into like my personality. Um, I was running like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three days a week, 5k every day, and then a little bit longer run on the weekends. And, um, you know, when I was running that schedule also, it's like, oh, it's raining today. Uh, well, I'm not going to run. I'm not supposed to run tomorrow. So I'm just, I'll, I'll sleep in today, run tomorrow instead. And at some point, um, I hit like 70 miles a month Hmm. and I realized like how, what is, how much could I run? Like physically given the time that I have to run, how much could I run? And the only, and I realized like, well, I can run X. I could break a hundred miles a month if I ran at what I'm running, but every day, no, no break. And that was what did it. But (laughs) the thing that, um, really, you know, it was having that goal and realizing like, oh, I can, I can hit this artificial milestone. I can, I can do it if I do it every day, but it was actually the doing it every day that completely changed my outlook on running because I just like, put the shoes by the door, took the running clothes out. And the switch from like, 
well, today or tomorrow, I can do it tomorrow if I don't, if I don't do it today. The idea that, no, I run every single day. The thing I do is my alarm goes off and I get out of bed and put my running clothes on and yeah. run and my shoes on and go completely yeah. changed. Just it changed my physicality. It changed yeah. the level, like how the distances I was able to run, like, and it changed my mindset. And that was the point yeah. at which were, you know, the people have this thing of like, are you a runner? Uh, and that was when I said like, yeah, I, I'm a runner. Like I change <laughs> to every, every day. Yeah. Sick. That's great. Yeah. Um, and there's, yeah. there's people I like, I I'm by no stretch of the imagination. I think I'm like the world's best runner. Like my, my, my neighbor's um, brother, like he runs, he runs like ultra marathons, right? Like, so he runs 50 mile races. He runs like his long run is 20 miles. Like, you know, there's, there's always someone who so runs Boston more, is the town of better, run. Boston is the town of runners. Like every other household has, I, I see people running every time. Like my parents come from India. Like I, so we used to live in Cambridge before we moved to Reading. Um, and Cambridge is like heart of, you know, people, mm -hmm. you can see people walking and, you know, there are a lot of people, it's not like suburbs. So when they come from India and they see people like in the winter, December, January, like there's just snow and we are going in the car and they will see people running yeah. and parents would go crazy. Like, are they, who are like, what are they doing in the freezing temperature? They are running. So I can totally, you know, get that. Um, yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> um, what, what got me into running last week, at least for now, is listening to David Goggins podcast. Like I was listening to him talking to Joe Rogan about like his hundred mile runs, like eight weeks for, you know, continues eight weeks every week yeah. um, that was like I, I was just so hooked and I like I you know I just ran, I just kept running you know I mean I was listening to him and that motivated me awesome. um, I'm yeah so anyways um, well dude where can people reach out like where do you want them to connect with you what social platforms throw some urls out at us yeah, I mean, if if you have, if you want to talk or you have questions or whatever, the best thing to do is just email me. It's just chad at thoughtbot.com. Cool. So that's that's like the easiest thing to do. I don't mind if people do that. Um, and otherwise, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at cpytel. Uh, thoughtbot is thoughtbot on Twitter and thoughtbot.com. If you're interested in agency you, that's thoughtbot.com/agencyu. And you mentioned at the beginning, I have a podcast. Um, it's called Giant Robots Smashing Other Giant Robots. So it's giantrobots.fm. And we interview, um, actually for the last about year, we've been, we switched from a one-off interview show where we were interviewing founders, designers, developers about the business of software and creating products, a different person every week to following along with three different companies for a whole like year. It. So every week we're talking to someone that we're coming back to once a month and talking to them, you know, we started talking about sales and marketing and now we're on to like values and how intentional they were about setting values for their company when they were first starting out. Oh, nice. December will be the last batch of episodes for that group of three companies that we've been following along with a year. And obviously when we went into this, we had no idea what 2020 was actually going to be like for a lot of companies. So seeing that one is a medical uh, telemedicine startup. Okay. So they're, they've just been taking off like crazy. Uh, it's been really awesome to follow along with them. And 
if I had to guess, what I think we're going to do is for next year, get another batch of companies that we follow along with for a year. And I'm really excited to, to doing that. So I guess that would be another thing. If you think you're a company that might be interesting to follow along with, we try to get companies at different, three different companies at three different stages, get in touch with me. I uh, love that. I'm definitely going to check that out. That that's, that's one of those things. Values just is so key. It, it, mm-hmm. Everyone gives it kind of like it's the cliche thing, but it ends up being so important when you lose sight of it, things get wonky. Yeah. Just yeah. so powerful. I'll definitely, I love the name and name and the concept of it. So I'm sign me up. I'm, I'm in. Awesome. For sure. Now I got to figure out how to, how do I get in on your, uh, your zoom D and D games? That's, that's really my next question. <laughs> um, well, so the people that I play with, I have been playing with for over 20 years at this point. Yeah, that's so, amazing, by the way. That is just, to, you know, did you it blows get me those away. friends from school? Was that just yes. like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it, it was funny because we started playing in person, you know, in school a long, long time ago. We all grew up and, and we moved to different places and, um, you know, we started playing online yeah long time ago because we all moved and had kids and had to have different like we could no longer get in person um and so it's funny because now we're actually playing more often now because everyone's at home and has even less obligations in in the evenings and that kind of thing so right that's been a really fun social thing to be able to do with with this group of friends. so i guess the answer is you have to have known me Years ago. <laughs> hey fair enough fair enough <laughs> i'm just gonna have to start a you know competing world and, yes yeah uh, we'll just have to battle you guys at some point uh dude this has been fantastic chad thanks so much for coming on here and just hanging out with Vern and i for a little bit yeah thanks for having me it's a pleasure to talk with you both yeah absolutely man, Thank you, man. for those listening this has been agencies that build we will catch you all next time <laughs>